We're now going to hear from uh, our rector, Reverend James de Castiglione. He's going to bring us our reading and then he's going to share with us this morning. So I'm going to hand over to him and he will continue uh, with the rest of the service. So thank you for being with us to this point. God bless you all and hopefully I'll get to see you in person soon. What a joy to be together and uh, I was talking to Anthony Ray, our church warden, um, and he said actually watching live last Sunday was the best bits of church without having to clear away chairs or wash coffee cups up at the end. So uh, anyway, it's a joy to be together and for those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Reverend James de Castiglione. Uh, it's my privilege to be the rector of the parish of Chanctonbury here in West Sussex and uh, just such a, a blessing even in this turbulent, extraordinary time uh, to turn to God and to get into his word uh, together. Uh, and this morning what I want to talk about is rising above to serve below. Rising above to serve below. And uh, you know what a, again just an extraordinary unprecedented week that we're experiencing. And what's truly stunning to me is the global nature of how these events as we as a planet respond to coronavirus are literally affecting every nation. Last summer my family and I were out in the Arctic uh, spent time with an Inuit settlement uh, and community at some of the most far-flung far places uh, on planet Earth and uh, as we're in touch with them you know through Facebook etc etc they are doing exactly what we are having to do in our country their church services are suspended they're doing things online they are isolating in their homes uh, and you know it just is stunning to me how this is affecting every nation on the planet and I don't know if anything like this has ever been experienced by our world in such a global way at the same time. And within that, uh, I think just sort of hearing all the messages online in our 24 hour uh, media that we have pumping into all of our homes, there's just this swirling torrent of confusion and fear and hope within some of that. Um, but uh, I just wanted to talk about this morning about how as those of us who follow Jesus, how we can really, because of what he's done, rise above some of the messaging in the world into his presence so that we can actually be Jesus and serve properly both those around us in a distance way, in our households, but actually as this unfolds, I just want to share at the end of this talk what I believe God is saying to us as we go forward uh, as the church in this country. And just thank you for some of the questions that I have uh, have had coming in this week. And I'm not going to touch on too many of them, but one of the key questions is, in the midst of this crisis, where can we find hope? You know, where is God working? And I'm going to talk a, a bit about some of that in what I'm about to share from, from the Bible. But I tell you what, you know, just just looking around, you can see hope in the immediate response with over half a million people 
you know, volunteering in response to the government's call, you know, for help for the NHS. You can see hope even locally on our uh, help email and phone line has been inundated with volunteers, both from church and the community, saying we want to serve, we want to get involved. And I think, you know, as we look at some signs of good news in this moment, we can see them, you know, both uh, nationally in terms of people's desire to serve others, but even locally in terms of our heart and our compassion uh, to get out there and make a difference. So I want to share with you this morning, uh, picking up from the verses immediately after what I shared a week ago, uh, and I'm going to share from Acts chapter 1, uh, picking up at verse 6, and reading through to verse 11. Uh, and the book of Acts, if you're unfamiliar with the scriptures, comes immediately after the four gospels. The four gospels which narrate the good news and the history all about Jesus from 2,000 years ago. And what we read at the beginning of the next book, the book of Acts, is what happened next for those who uh, were following Jesus immediately after he ascended into heaven. And I'm going to read for us now. Acts chapter 1, picking up at verse 6. So when they, who's Jesus' followers, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you'll restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching him, he, Jesus, was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going and they were gazing up towards heaven, Suddenly two men in white robes stood before them. The men in white robes said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up towards heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And I pray as I share now that the words of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart will be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So I want to talk about rising above that we might serve below. And really what I want to share is how much God has done in Jesus through the historical events that happened to him and particularly this morning focusing on his ascension, how at the end of his time on earth, how he ascended, he literally went up to heaven, and how that is key for us who know Jesus in terms of it forming our identity, and also how that leads us to know what we're supposed to be doing in this time, and how even we, by faith, can rise above to him, in him and with him, that we might properly be effective as his hands and his feet, as, as Jesus here, as we live out our lives on earth. 
And, you know, I just want to, I'm talking about Jesus, you know, even now. And I, ju I just want to say, you know, uh, you know, for me in my life, I don't know how I would exist without knowing Jesus. And, you know, I was, I was younger and, you know, 20 years ago, I was, you know, my life was disintegrating and Jesus appeared to me as real as another human person. And he came and he rearranged my internal furniture in my heart. He set me free of a whole bunch of stuff I was battling and being overcome by. He delivered me, he saved me, and he changed my life and filled it with his power and his love and his mercy and his, his peace, which has never, ever left me. And even as I, I talk from the Bible, you know, what I've found to be true about the Bible is it, it just is the most coherent book of divine wisdom I've ever come across. But I just want to say, as someone who, who follows Jesus, what sets us apart is our experience of the living God and how he comes into our hearts and he sets us free and he saves us. And, he, and what we find is that we are reborn, literally born again, simply by faith and putting our whole trust in him. I just want to say, you know, if any of us are, are, are listening or watching this and we don't know Jesus, do you know what? Today, you know, we can turn our hearts to him and just say, Lord, I don't want to live life apart from you ever again, because actually in these moments where life is being stripped back and our priorities are being reset, let us find what is really true in this life. And that is you, the living God. So... Um, anyway, let's jump into let's jump into Acts and um, let's uh, find out what's going on. And, and really, as Jesus is about to ascend into heaven, the disciples are saying, "Lord, is this the time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel?" And these are uh, Hebrew men and women. These are, are are people who've grown up with a Jewish mindset, and what their mindset would have been is that the kingdom of God, the place where God's ways and God's values, where God's presence is fully realized, was going to be restored to Israel in a physical and geographical way. And 2,000 years ago, what that meant for them is the, the Roman occupancy that they were experiencing in their land would be booted out and a Messiah would rise and he would restore geographically, governmentally, administratively, and physically the kingdom back to Israel. And they're basically saying to Jesus, now you've risen from the dead, is that what's going to happen? And Jesus replies, he basically says, it's not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. And the, the disciples really were not getting what Jesus had been teaching for three and a half years before his crucifixion and weren't getting what he'd been teaching again for 40 days once he'd been resurrected that he was sharing with them now that the kingdom of heaven is a spiritual kingdom but is made real in hearts who recognize the kingship of Jesus Christ who is at the center and heart of this kingdom. It, it makes sense of Jesus' teaching where he says the kingdom of God is all around you. The kingdom of God is within you as he was teaching in, his, in the Gospels. Uh, and, and he was saying, listen guys, this isn't about kicking the Romans out of Israel. This is about a spiritual reality 
where the place where God truly is and his ways are wonderfully fully displayed, where there's no mourning or crying or pain, all of that is realised fully spiritually simply by faith. And what Jesus is saying, guys, you know, get real. This is what's going on. And I have established this through dying for the whole human race and through rising again for all of humankind. I have done this and we can enter the kingdom even now by faith in our hearts. And I think, I think the question, you know, that really must be real for all of us living in these times is, is what is the narrative you know, what is the reality that we are living by? You know, for those first followers of Jesus, it was the military uh, kicking out of the Roman occupancy of Israel and the restoration of the governmental rulership of the kingdom of Israel. But you know, actually, even as we examine our own lives and our own values, in our day and age today, we've been doing our level best to live apart from God as a country. We've been trying to erode our inherited Christian values in this country. We've been trying to practice secularism and atheism and postmodernism and all of that stuff. And I tell you what, it just, it isn't, the myth of modernism, which was that, you know, everything's going to be getting better and better and better, is really not working for people's well-being in this day and age. We, we know this. And this is really a moment where we look at the narrative by which we're living our lives. And what I've found over and over is that the narrative that we find in Scripture just makes so much sense. <laughs> You know, the narrative that we find in, in, in the Bible is that in the beginning, things were perfectly made. The eternal God made human beings to be with him in a created sense. And everything was harmonious. There was no sin. There was no suffering. There was no brokenness. There was no fractured relationships. Everything was as it should be. And yet because God allows human beings to be free, they turned away, even as we do. And they fell from this wonderful place of oneness with God. And really then through the Old Testament story of God, there was this desire of God to have a people who would reflect his ways on earth. And by reflecting his ways be a light to every nation. That God really is a God of love and mercy and kindness and grace and truth and righteousness. And that his ways could be reflected through his people. And yet time and again through the Old Testament, the people of God turned away. And in the end, God sent his son to come as the Messiah, yes, but to come as one of us and to lay down his life eventually as a 30-something-year-old man, as a sacrifice and ransom for the whole planet and to make a sacrifice so pure and holy and wonderful that it was something none of us could ever do and that in that sacrifice, all of the justice requirements of the nature of God could be met. And that when Jesus gave up his last breath on the cross and cried out, it is finished. That God could once again say, yeah, I am back in equilibrium with those who lay hold of the sacrifice of Jesus by faith and make it their own 
and make it a ransom for their own lives. And when he rose again three days later, he was starting a new humanity, a new family. He became the firstborn of a new creation, of those who were going to be reborn by faith in him. And when he rose again and showed himself to his disciples, and then when he appeared to them, even as we're reading now, and ascended into heaven, the kingdom of God was being born. Not in a physical, geographical way, but spiritually. And those of us who know Jesus and turn our hearts to him enter that kingdom. And we know what that kingdom looks like and feels like at the end of this book. And it's a kingdom where there's no mourning, no crying, no pain. Where every tear is wiped. Where no one will walk in sadness and forlornness and sorrow any longer. And all things will be made new. And that has been launched even now. And what in verse 7 it refers to is that there'll come a day where history finishes as we know it and Jesus returns. And history will end as we know it and a new heaven and a new earth will be remade. And there will never again be sorrow or crying. And we live in this tiny time before Jesus returns, where we have inherited the kingdom, we get to taste it and see it, and we get to shine it and give it wherever we go. But we have a few moments, people. <laughs> and the disciples were saying, when's going to be the time where you return and restore the geographical kingdom? But we have a few moments before Jesus makes a new heaven and a new earth and returns. But we live in this spiritual manifestation of the kingdom of heaven here and now and no one knows where Jesus is going to return and you may see, you may see some crazy conspiracies online and you may you may go on the internet and find all sorts of wild stuff but I just want to say you know Jesus warned us that no one knows when he's going to return not even he did not even the angels only the father knows and in Mark 13 32 he says the angels don't know the son of God, as in himself, doesn't know. Only the Father knows. But I tell you what, let's be ready. And let's today enter his kingdom. Let's today, in faith, turn to Jesus and lay the hold of what he's got. And until that day, let's read what the plan is for each and every one of us. Verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So that you might be witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, to Ashington, to Washington, to Whiston, to the South Downs, to Sussex, to this country, we might be witnesses. And the word used in the original language is the word from which we derive martyr. You follow Jesus by losing your life, by giving it up, by ending life lived as James wants, and entering life lived as Jesus wants. And it's the most freeing, life-giving, incredible life that I've ever found. And yes, trials come, but joy can be found in trial because it's with him and his life pulsates within us. And what happens when we are aligned with him is that he pours out his power. And the word used in the original language here is the word from which we derive dynamic or even dynamite. We receive explosive, creative, dynamic power from which we get to be his witnesses.
Do you know, I can't, I can't love people like Jesus did. I can't serve people like Jesus did. I can't heal people like Jesus did. I can't help people's minds like Jesus did. I can't bring divine wisdom like Jesus did. But I do get to receive his power. <laughs> and it's his power straight from him. And what that means is I can be an open channel and then Jesus through my life can do what Jesus loved to do right from gospel times even to today. To use each and every one of us to be vessels of his power, to bring wisdom where it's needed, to bring hope where it's needed, to bring healing where it's needed, to bring strength where it's needed, to bring joy where it's needed, to be his witnesses here to the ends of the earth. And verse 9, as the disciples were watching, Jesus was lifted up and he ascended. And they looked up to heaven and a couple of men in white robes, probably angels, appeared to them. And the ascension of Jesus essentially means, when he was lifted up, the ascension of Jesus essentially means that he right now was lifted up back to God, back to the very heart of God. And the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, verse 3, tells us that after Jesus had provided purification for sins, after Jesus had died on the cross, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. What that means is that when Jesus was lifted up, he went right into the throne room of God Almighty himself, and he sat down next to God. And the, and the sort of image of sitting down that the writer of Hebrews shares with us is one for monarchs and for rulers and for kings. You know, when our queen, Elizabeth, was uh, crowned queen of this country, I don't know if you noticed, but there were two stances for her subjects in her coronation. It was either standing before her or kneeling before her while she sat on the throne. And that was portraying, because in this country we recognise her, don't let me get political here or, or whatever, but we recognise in this country right in the heart of our constitution that her royal monarchy is ordained and given by God, which is why she has a special service. And what that essentially is portraying is the kingship of God who is sitting down. And it's a sense of ruling and reigning. And what that means for, for Jesus Christ as he is sat there is that he is ruling his kingdom that we live in. And it means according to the, to the book of Ephesians chapter 1 that all spiritual enemies are under his feet. All things that are out of kilter have been put under his feet because he is at the top and he is ruling and he is reigning. And what that means for you and I, that Jesus ascended, what that means for you and I who know and follow Jesus by faith, what that means is that you and I have also not only been born again, not only had our sins forgiven and our diseases healed at the cross, not only had new life released to our hearts through the resurrection, but we have been united with Jesus and carried into heaven. And we now are in him at the right hand of God. 
The book of Ephesians chapter 2 puts it like this. It says, we have been seated with Christ in heavenly places. Oh my goodness, it's unbelievable. (laughs) Well, it is believable, but it's amazing. And what it means is that you and I, by faith spiritually, live in the same place that Jesus lives even now. Jesus living there physically in his resurrected body at the right hand of God and he is praying for the church, his enemies are defeated and he is pouring forth his spirit onto the earth. And it means for you and I, it means we're the same. We are at the right hand, just like this mug is now. We're at the right, or (laughs) God will be here. We're at the right hand of God, the majesty in heaven, in communion with him. By faith. Christianity is not just a belief that we live out. We are literally, by his spirit, caught up into the very communion with God Almighty. We are gathered into the Trinity by the spirit of God. We are sat at the right hand of Father in heaven, in Jesus Christ. We are communing with him even now. So, listen, there's no way that Christians can be confused. (laughs) We might be perplexed at times. But man, we are with God. We're with the Father. We are with him, communing with him. And all the spiritual enemies of God are under our feet. You know, not physical enemies, not flesh and blood enemies, none of that rubbish. Ephesians 6 tells us that our battle is is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces, which we take our stand against. But we take our stand next to God, with Christ enthroned on high, with all our enemies under our feet. You know, if we were in church, I would say, right, everybody, do this. (laughs) While we're looking into the distance and look down. Oh my goodness, look how far all the forces of evil, all all the spiritual powers of darkness, how far they are from us. Because we are gathered up into the Trinity in Christ. And even as Jesus and the Father are sending the Spirit onto the earth, oh my goodness, we are now with him, recipients of the third person of the Trinity, the very dynamic power of God, the same Spirit who formed the heavens and the earth, the same Spirit who loves to reform our minds and to reform our bodies and to reform the atmosphere around us and to provide for us and to fill us with abundant life. That's who we are, and that's what he has done through his ascension. And this is, this is not just positive, postmodern, you know, let's feel good about ourselves, let's try and tell us that we're really amazing. This is built on historical events that happened to Jesus 2,000 years ago, that by faith we are living in and receiving from even now. And that means for you and I, Man, we get to rise above the swirling chaos in the world. We get to be lifted into the presence of God, into the reality of the kingdom of heaven. You know, think about this at home. Just take a few moments in your chair and just literally allow by faith. Just say, God, just would you just show me that I am gathered into the very heart of the Trinitarian manifestation of the living God, even now. And I'll tell you what, in a moment, you'll come into peace, which passes all understanding. You'll come into joy, 
which will overflow. You'll come into hope again and be lifted away from Sky News 24-7, BBC, the swirling chaos of the world. We can rise above, but not so we can be out of touch. We rise above by faith, spiritually, into the Trinity. Because of the ascension of Jesus, we rise above in order that we can serve below. And I tell you what, you know, even in the distant, distanced interactions that I've been experiencing, going out for a, a short walk every day, venturing out for supplies, I have never tasted such a, a, such a desperation, a hunger, a desire for some wisdom, for some hope, for something that's real in this moment. And I'm telling you what, you know, this is where we get to serve. Not in triumphalism, not in arrogance, not in, not in a sort of brash, you know, plithy, kind of vain sort of giving of our belief better than your belief. No, 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 no. We get to give God. We get to give the reality of Jesus. We get to give his presence. We get to give hope. We get to give salvation. We get to say, do you know him? And if you don't know him, come on, today's the day. Today is the day. And um, <laughs> we get to rise above that we can serve our country below. And, um, you know, I just, I just want to finish with, with just my own sense about where this, where this thing might be going and what God is calling us to at this time. And, um, you know, uh, on Thursday morning this week, I was just in my study, just praying early in the day, just saying, Lord, what's, what's going on? You know, um, where, where, where are you? What are you, what are you doing? And, and what are you calling us to? And I was praying um, on Thursday. I was just so, it was so impressed on me. Um, just something that, that God was speaking to me about in the summer of 2017. And in the summer of 2017, I was um, away with my family on holiday. Uh, we did a house swap thing and we ended up in the Scottish Highlands and this lovely Scottish Presbyterian minister ended up in West Sussex and we did a house swap and we were up there uh, just in the Highlands, you know, in the summertime. And at that time, I was just, back in summer 2017, I was just, I was just kind of quite disturbed. I was just, you know, crying out to the Lord, just having some prayer time, just saying, Lord, what are you doing? You know, it feels like the world is getting ever more, um, is eroding ever more its kind of roots around you and around your ways and, and knowledge of you but it doesn't feel feel like we're getting any better as a result uh, and I was exercised because I was just feeling like the church is losing credibility and losing integrity and losing its authority you know just in the nation and I was just saying Lord what are you doing you know where are you and I just felt so strongly like the Lord said to me what I'm doing with my church is exactly like what I was doing with Joseph in the Old Testament and if any of you are unfamiliar with the story of Joseph you know we're talking about the same Joseph Technicolor Dreamcoat that's been in the West End you know um, but it's found at the end of the first book of the Bible in the book of Genesis and Joseph dreams a, a big dream and he sees the future. But Joseph's life 
goes not as he expects and he finds himself kidnapped and in prison in Egypt in a foreign land in the country ruled by a foreign king and in Joseph finds himself in prison far away from what he anticipated God was going to do with him in his life. But Joseph still uses his gifts and he's still faithful in that place to what God had called him to. And he begins to just bring wisdom and he brings revelation and he begins to inter interpret dreams for those in the prison around him. And long story short, what happens is a couple of those that he interprets dreams for end up being elevated back to the king, to Pharaoh at the time. And Pharaoh hears that there's, there's this guy in prison who carries such wisdom and insight and revelation that when Pharaoh begins to be totally confused by some of the dreams he's getting and some of the reality that's facing his nation, he, he, basically, he basically says, he gets a, an insight from, from his cupbearer and says, you better talk to the guy I was with in prison. And so Joseph is brought to the king's palace, to Pharaoh's palace, and he interprets the confusion that Pharaoh's in. And Pharaoh's blown away so much that he, he then finds uh, in Joseph someone who can interpret what's going on, who has wisdom to share. And he, he appoints him to be the bringer of not only wisdom, but administrative skill and organisation and the finding of solutions for all of the problems that were going to face his nation at that time. And I tell you what, I, I just, I really feel, you know, that this is for us as the church of Jesus at this moment, that society has, has kind of felt embarrassed by the church and sought to move away from our foundation. And it's almost like the church finds itself in a bit of a prison you know, not in a glamorous place, isolated, away from the limelight. But, but we are called to be faithful with what God is giving us. And this is sharpened even more at this time because, you know, we literally are all locked away in our houses. But we're called to be resetting our values and our priorities, to be resetting our lives, being faithful to what God has called us to. And I tell you what, there is going to come a time where I think there are serious problems that earthly wisdom cannot fix. And there's going to be a desire and a demand for, you know, what does, what does true love look like? What, what does a household of, of faith and love and hope look like? What, how do we organise society now our values are being reset? You know, who has got some insight into the, the confusion and fog of, you know, unknowing that's going on and uncertainty that's happening at this time? And I tell you what, guys, I want us to be crystal clear and ready to roll. This is a time where I believe God is calling his church to get our own furniture in order, to get our lives in order, so that we are ready when God flips the script and society says, who can help us? Who's got wisdom? Who's got power? Who's got the ability when our NHS is overrun to heal the sick? Who's got solutions 
for the problems in society and that we as the church with humility, not with triumphalism, we with humility can rise up and we say, we would love to serve, we would love to help. These are some of the lessons we've been learning. We would love to bless, we would love to give humbly into our nation at this time for such a time as this. And so I, I think I just want to say, for those of us who know Jesus or even are finding him now, guys, we've got to sort out our, our secret sins. We've got to sort out our personal baggage. We've got to get our emotional whatever weirdness sorted out because this is not about us. This is for the sake of our nation. This is where the church has to rise up. But, but this is perhaps not the moment to rise up because we're in lockdown. But this is the moment where we learn, where we bow the knee of our hearts, we press into God, but we take ground spiritually, all of us in our lives, so that we are strong, so that we are wise, so that we are kind, so that we are generous, so that we are carriers of hope, so that we bring joy in sorrow, so that we bring wisdom in confusion, so that we bring peace in uncertainty, so that we bring insight where there's, where there's just a fog. And that we are ready to go. And I think God is calling us to reset our lives, to press into him, to ascend, to rise above, so that we are ready to serve our country, to serve our communities, to serve those around us, to bless those around us, and to go forward in God's name with humility, but with authority as he calls us forth as his church. So I just want to bless everybody now. I'm just going to pray for everybody. Guys, let's just learn these lessons. Let's just be humble enough to deal with our internal junk, to get our lives sorted out because God is the God who's done everything for us in Christ Jesus. 1 Peter 1 says he's provided everything that we need for life and for godliness. He's provided everything we need. And Jesus Christ who died for us and rose from the grave and ascended on high has lifted us into the very, very tri-union with God. He's given us everything that we need. Boom. And now he's calling us to lay hold of it by faith. To bow low, to bend the knees of our hearts, to humble ourselves, to pray, to learn, to reset our lives, to be strong in him, to know the scriptures, to be, to be learners of what it means to linger in prayer. To do family amazingly well with those around us. To forgive those we've held grudges against. To deal with our emotional baggage. Come on, let's let Father's love set us free. So that we can be ready. So that we can be like coiled springs. That when, when God raises us up. When our society says, man, we, we need some wisdom. That we won't be fine lacking, but we'll be fine ready to serve, to bless, to love. We'll be found full of faith, hope, and most of all love to serve our nation at this time. So Father, thank you. Thank you for everybody watching this. I just pray that you bless every home, that you bless every person. Father, I make a, I make a, a prayer over this whole area that you will cover us. That coronavirus will not be able to come near us but that you would find in us divine antibodies that we need to withhold any disease and sickness. I pray that not only for our church, but for our communities, that this disease will be averted, that we will be strong, 
that you would provide for us, that you would shield us from economic harm, that you would provide for us and that you would get us ready by your spirit, would you pour into our hearts. We open our lives to you, Lord. We say that we need you more than ever and we're excited to know you more deeply than we ever have. We can't wait to discover all the riches that you have for us, that you've already made available for us in Christ. We can't wait to discover those, Lord. And we can't, we can't wait when the moment comes to be ready to serve, to serve your country, to serve your land, to serve the people that you love in this country, in our communities, in Sussex, in this land. And I pray even now as we, as we just finish, I just want to pray a blessing, the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. May he rest upon us. May he be real and tangible by his Spirit in our homes. May he be real in our hearts, changing our lives, transforming our lives, making us ready. And may he bless those we love and pray for. May he bless this land, both this day and forevermore. Amen.